Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the short film Sunspring, which was entirely scripted using artificial intelligence. So, Peter, in your new guise as film critic, um, can you give me your review of this film, Sunspring, please? So I thought it was an interesting experiment in, uh, in motion picture art form. Um, the, the, the script left much to be desired, I think. Uh, it, it, it felt um, somewhat sort of chaotic and juvenile uh, in places. Um, it left much to the to the uh, to the viewer to interpret what was going on, um, uh, but it was it was a success because it's because of its uniqueness. I think mainly as a as a piece of art. Well, I think that's quite charitable. Um, I thought it was unwatchable, um, and in fact, and, and so therefore, literally, you know, I did not watch it. I, I watched bits of it, and I couldn't. So it's only nine minutes long, Fraser. That is pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, um no but it is it's just awful so i think the let's let's just clarify that i mean it and and also we should just to just actually to compound your assessment uh note that humans helped the script helps uh the ai tidy the script up as well so in other words there was a bit of human post-processing but it does it includes lines like um "Mm, it's a damn scared thing to say nothing is going to be a thing but i was the one that got on this rock with a child and then i left the other two uh, and it's it's those lines like that are, are, are basically entirely what it consists of. Sorry, Peter, carry on. It, well, it's, it reminded me almost like a, a really bad Terence Malick film. Um, is it Terence Malick? Is that right? Is that the guy the um, who did the Thin Red Line? Uh, who did Tree of Life? Is it Terence Malick? Yeah, well, hang on. I think uh, the Thin Red Line is quite a good film. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they are good films, right? But it's it's like that. It was it was, it was almost. I'd say, I'd say you could you could use the adjective Pinteresque about some of mm. it but well anyway um. so we all have our sort of views on sort of um about it so um beyond sort of me saying it's unwatchable and i, I okay look as an exercise as you say it was successful it was interesting um but let's sort of go a little, little bit further um what can we draw on this um exercise in terms of looking at um artificial intelligence and you know what it means for us uh, well, the the state of artificial intelligence today, um, I think we we can draw lessons of that, that because so much is left to the human for interpretation, and there was a great deal of filtering uh, on behalf of post script writing editing, uh, and then at the sort of direction and producing stage, there would be lots of well, maybe they're talking about a spaceship here, maybe they're in a maybe they're in an office. There's a lot of there was a lot of sort of um uh, addition by humans throughout that the, the, we we haven't got AIs powerful enough, strong enough, clever enough to 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 replace humans just yet. 
So let's well, put this in I, our... No, no, sorry, I, well, I, no, think, no, I, want, I do want to... <laughs> I think we have to say how it works. I mean, we haven't covered how the artificial... I just think we ought to just cover that. Right, because... Just to explain exactly how this AI... So you're, you're going to do that. Commas. You're going to do that. Because yeah. at the moment, it just... Cause it actually reminds me of like a drama um, school exercise where you get a load of words, cut them out, throw them up into the air, and then make a play out of it. Well, that but, isn't, so that tell isn't me far how, off. Right, yeah, so tell, it, tell me how the process worked in this so particular the, case. Um, Benjamin, the the AI, is uh, a neural network, right? And a neural network is a type of AI architecture which is designed to learn stuff, and in particular to learn patterns. So learn patterns between certain inputs and uh, real world outputs. So you set it to work to understand. I don't know. You could use it to to want to try and understand. You know how a car worked, for example, and it would have data. The inputs would be all the buttons that were being pressed and the pedals that were being pressed and so on, and the outputs would be um, descriptive data about what the car was doing. And a neural net might be able to use that to learn how cars work. And neural nets underpin um, some of the most impressive bits of AI. So uh, AlphaGo, which we talked about a few mm. weeks ago, um, is built on a neural network which is several layers deep um the it's hard to explain intuitively how they work but essentially they look for patterns uh is one way to think about it and the um ai here benjamin was fed a load of scripts from sci-fi that were, that were available ah. and it and it it learned basically with after one particular sentence you're going to get another sentence or even word by word so if you have the word if you have the words um you know i don't uh that the next word is likely to be no and you know and so it, it basically it, it is pretty much as you describe simply finding patterns in the way sentences are arranged in uh in sci-fi scripts and then regurgitating a particular you know plausible so he's going to say okay after this word what's the most likely ne next word here it comes and now i've got those two words what's the most likely third word and just doing that process to generate the entire script okay now um so i think we it's it, being rather over egged right that because that is really quite tenuous to call that an artificial intelligence um it really is more of a sort of statistical um you know word with sentence generator based on based on a, a training set of of uh, of real life scripts it isn't creating something right it and it's not what it doesn't it doesn't in particular even know that what it's what it's doing is producing words i use no in inverted commas there obviously sure. it doesn't know anything anyway but it doesn't have a model of grammar so it's not it doesn't hasn't been told look this is what sentences look like now go and find um go and build some sentences which is why some of these sentences come out completely ungrammatical so it doesn't have a even have a model of grammar and it and it what it definitely doesn't have is a model of the world. So, um, you know, not quite apart from the fact it doesn't it hasn't really been told to create sentences. It it also isn't in any way thinking about plot. There's no attempt to make characters or plot or anything. It just is a word generator. Um, but you know, uh, so presumably that was by choice. Those options were possible. Well, mean? it's well, mm, yes, choice and also technological constraint because uh, we don't really know. I mean, at the moment we're nowhere near being able to um, come up with with uh something which could plausibly generate you know the kinds of characters and plots that we okay. uh, would expect to see in even a short film so then this begs the question then um if it i mean let, i know you said for a moment there well this isn't really artificial intelligence but let's just say that it is for a moment or uh, what what does this tell us about the limitations 
of artificial intelligence? Or what does it tell us about what artificial intelligence is good at and what's it not so good at, Peter? So the so Benjamin, um, you could think of Benjamin a bit like an extension of the typewriter that the, the scriptwriter would use to, to, mm. to create his create his art so it, it, in a similar way that the typewriter is set up and you put a spool of ink in it and put some paper in it and then operate keys the it the, the benjamin was a program that was written and it was set up and it was given a certain input of data so it's a sort of similar mechanical process and i think this is typical of mo- of all ai that has some practical function uh, today it requires a great deal of uh, manual intervention and really it's just a sort of next iteration of tools mm. um, and this is the, 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 this has interesting philosophical uh, dimension when, you, when we talk about art and computer generated art it's like well it, you know if if arguably you could say that something's art if somebody says it is so i think well, there's a, i i get something from that and yeah. it doesn't have any practical purpose so therefore it's sort of it's artistic um so it's there's the debate is whether or not we uh whether or not computers can create art they can they do and this is an example of it um is whether or not we will allow them to create art it's whether or not that we demand art has got to have some sort of personal sacrifice some sort of emotional connection with the artist no Um, isn't it more than that though it's about whether the thing creating that what is called art knows that it's creating art even if an, a even if a third party can look at something and go, well, that's art. That is that a, a rigorous definition enough? Isn't isn't what what isn't what doesn't sit well with people? Partly that what is creating this doesn't know what it's creating. I don't think so. I mean, you 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 can you children create art, and they don't necessarily have a very form uh, firm definition of what art is. Um, you you have cave paintings which are considered artistic, but may have had some practical purpose and not intended to be art. So no. I don't think. No, but, but, well, yeah, but I think more pertinently, um, you know, who created it? Now, did the person who built the, built the neural net create it? I think you could, you know, that's the, if you've got. Uh, so if we take something like you know Jackson Pollock, he didn't intend. There was no intention that every little speck of paint was exactly where it was. There was a stochastic element to There was still painting. an intention to create yeah. something. Yeah, I know, right? I know. But no, but the point is that here, they, the people who built this, uh, built Benjamin, intended to create pretty much probably something similar to what actually happened. And the way that they were doing it, and you could have done it with pen and paper. You know, you could have done it, as you suggest, with by, by cutting up lots of bits of paper and then, ran, and then sort of rolling dice. Uh, but they chose to do it in a this, slightly more technologically yeah, advanced sure. way. Sure, but this goes back to what you were saying. If you you could think of this, to use your analogy, is that Benjamin is the typewriter, okay? Just in so that if you if we want to call this particular thing art for a moment, then the artist is, I don't know, the programmer or even the guy who thought this up to do this. But anyway, I think we're drifting off the point, which is what are the limitations of AI? I think the, lim- the limitations really are that they are only at the moment capable of quite sim- simple well-defined tasks um and it's going to take a lot more uh, a lot more clever algorithms and a lot more um novel ways of of developing of se- developing heuristics and self-learning and things to become become close to, to develop anything like um empathy that humans have for for each other or um uh, the sort of emo- the, emo- the emotional mechanisms that we use to 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 create things. 
Well, I think uh, but that's that's going a bit further than we need to look, I think, when we're talking about the constraints at the moment, which is um, just creating language, uh, creating plausible sounding language um, and you know, plausible language. That's art, that's in any way vaguely artistic. We've got to remember that uh, in general, in artificial intelligence, things that we find easy are hard for computers to do for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but particularly that we ourselves often, if, if it's something that we find easy, it's because we've got a lot of software in our brain, which sort of is specialized towards that. Language is definitely one of those things. Um, so we have a lot of language software. Um, so learning language is very, very easy for us. Mm. Um, and, and you know, as a side effect, we find it very hard actually to explain what we do when we come up with sentences. Um, but but it's also, you know, the, the, the fact that with, with particularly with language, um, there is what the language means so what it actually you know what what the denotation is in other words so you know if i say uh, tiger you know that you could define what that means in fairly precise terms but tiger also has with it a load of uh, connotations things that aren't actually part of the definition of tiger but which um when you're writing good prose will be drawn on so if you take an example uh, so from from Shakespeare, which is uh, that light thickens and the crow makes wing to the rookie wood, mm. which is a sentence. You know, literally, light thickens is sort of nonsense, really. I mean, that doesn't. It's not something light can do. But we all understand that light thickens means that there is this deep gloom setting in. That there is a kind of the the that mm. the, the 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 hour of fate is almost upon us, and that's exactly the sense in which Macbeth uses that sentence. Um, a, an AI could come out with that, but it would be it would only be accidentally as meaningful as that, because we all have a huge number of these connotations. We all understand things, and a lot of that is shared between humans, and it's totally inaccessible to us. You know, we've got no means really of getting that out onto a piece of paper so a machine can use it. And if we haven't got the data, then then we can't expect machines to to, to learn stuff. Well, I, I mean, unless you could develop an AI that de develops a very strong heuristic for what gloominess means, um, what, what gloominess feels like, and what work, what concepts are appropriate, then it it might come up with. Yeah, but the, does it process. need to have contact with the world to do that? This is, I mean, the the question here is. You know, is 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 it something you can learn by just looking at what words have been written? I I would suspect not. I, I think you know, you, it doesn't matter. You could give it every piece of literature ever written, um, but it wouldn't. Would it know what gloom actually was? No, or is that something I, no, you have I think, to? I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think the the words, the written word, is just a convenient, da accessible data set. The better data set would be to plonk it out in the real world and let it sort of learn, let it experience for itself as we do. Okay, so um, I'm slightly sort of lost as to where we are at the moment. Um, so beyond what we've said, um, you know, what what is what is a good question for me to ask here? What what should we now be talking about um, with this? We've been talking about uh, this experiment with Sunspring. We've been talking about AI limitations of AI. Um, we've talked about why it can work well sometimes. Why are, I guess well, I guess I, the obvious okay. question well, is I, the future. Yeah, what no, what I mean, next? No, or? Peter touched on this earlier. We can only build tools when we understand the task. So we can only make things uh, to help us do things when when we know how we are supposed to do those things in the first place. Um, you know, as a general rule, and an automation happens when a task is sufficiently well understood uh, for us to be able to to start to um, identify the, the processes involved. 
do we know what makes good fiction? I, I'd argue that we don't. We, there's no clear theory of fiction which will enable us to automate it at the moment. Now, the, the, the sort of neural net approach, the Benjamin approach, is to say, well, we, you know, maybe we don't, we don't need to know. We can just get um, this thing to learn. It'll look at these scripts and learn what good fiction looks like. But the, the answer clearly, as Sunspring demonstrates, is either that it's nowhere near sophisticated enough or that the goodness of a piece of fiction does not reside in the words and the order they're in as such but something else is it's what the words mean and and that means that we you know we can't expect to make progress on this and unless we begin to understand that and have means of codifying that ourselves okay that makes sense um peter um looking to the near future I mean, it's a fascinating area with a huge amount of research something i spotted recently was that there's a google research project called magenta which is attempting to make new make new progress in this area uh, and it's one of its outstated outputs is going to be a toolkit that will be accessible to anyone with a moderate level of development to use to create their own music um, with using AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, it's uh, it's available now, and it's quite. It, I, I'm yet to have a, a play with it, but it looks looks very promising. Uh, and they're using it as a as a basis for doing lots of research into what computer-based creativity actually is and means and so we'll have lots of interesting technical output but also lots of sort of interesting ethical and philosophical output yeah i mean on the music side of things it starts to intuitively to me at least become more uh uh understandable because i remember going back to my days in the early 90s as a hardcore raver type person and um, one of the exciting things about what was going on back then, and this must have been pretty crude compared to today, is that um, DJs, if that's the right word, were you know working off computers where you kind of you you have a program, you kind of set it free, and it will do certain things at a certain point and just work off an algorithm and just suddenly start pumping stuff up the, the beat out and. Um, and sort of taking on a life of its own is guess what I'm yeah well the key about. the key thing about music the the main difference between it and uh, and written and, and prose is that it doesn't mean anything mm. so music doesn't mean something so there's only one layer you have to look at and and of course music is also very uh, i mean bec- you know, there's a lot of patterns in music so it's much more amenable yeah um and, and it already comes sort of ready coded you know you you've got uh, music written music is fairly machine readable anyway so so it, you know it's much more plausible that we make progress on, on uh, artificial generation of music in fact i think some of you know it, it's it's been uh, it's 10 15 20 years really since um uh, artificial intelligences start pro- started producing things like you know plausible sounding uh, bark preludes and yeah. so on because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there's um, you know the the big question I think is whether or not we uh, they can produce things that are to- that are totally different um, sure. from things that already exist and this is the kind of problem with AI creativity is if it's learnt what it's trying to achieve entirely by what's been done already um, it may not it may not pick up sort of the meta level which is that actually sometimes what people want is something different but um yeah i think that's a to- probably a topic for another podcast sure this reminds me of a, a star trek episode with data um star trek the next generation where he was trying to uh, you know who's a superb musician but i seem to remember yeah he wasn't able to create anything new or when he did it just sounded crap basically um okay 
I think um, any final words? We're going to finish there. Any final words? Peter's shaking your head. Nick, anything from you? Uh, n- no. Okay, I that's think. unusual. Um, and I'm trying to think of something pithy to finish on. Um, well, I think I think we, you know, to quote Benjamin, it, it's a damn scared thing to say. <laughs> well said. So we'll wrap up there. My name's Fraser McGrew. Um I've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. You, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. Until next time, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.